何も持たずに生まれ落ちた僕とあの隙間でのたうち回ってる諦めたものと賢いものだけが勝者の時代にどこで息をする Hello everyone and welcome to your uncle's beach house episode 47 I'm Jackson, I'm joined by M as usual It's anime time That's right,、uh, we're joined by a guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello everybody, I'm Hannah, Hannah Yolo, sometimes known as And I'm a dear, dear friend of these two jokers. That's right. That's right. I'm not a joker. <laughs> Professionally, not a joker. I'm we're, Batman. We're going we're gonna to cut that out because I slandered you. No, it's fine. The slanders always stay in. All right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> It has not run us any legal problems until now. Being, being, called, being called the Joker on Batman Day has an extra a zing to it. It's insult, <laughs> Why is it Batman Day? I have no idea why today is Batman Day. It just is. What? Oh, I, I thought you just meant that like, you were going to record、uh, Gotham today. No, it is, it is DC's celebrating Batman Day today. Hashtag Batman Day. That's... Is, is it like the first issue came out today? Because I look Prop- at the date of like the yeah, 18th of September. I think it's, first... it's, it's, a, it's a holiday that's like they're celebrating on the third Saturday of September. That's every Batman Day. So. God. It cannot be the anniversary of Bruce Parent's death. <laughs> I think the first one is that like, I remember、uh, like, being aware of was Mass Effect Day on November 7. Because、yes. N7, Mass Effect, Commander、mm. Shepard, all that shit. And ever since then, it's just felt like every year more and more of the calendar has been tied up by like, either some specific brand holiday or some meme about like, you know, today is the only day that you can post this. Um, and we're just gonna wake up like, in a not so distant future and have every day be like, the celebration of a specific brand. I think, I think、um, May the 4th is the one that I think of. Oh, of course, yeah. May the 4th is the one I think of, but I remember like, in 2011 when it was, it was just like they had a Star Wars theme sale and made a little joke about it, and then they realized the brand potential of this bullshit.、No. Uh, I have the answer to why Batman Days today. Oh, what、It's, is it? Profoundly stupid. It's nothing. It's the most cynical thing.、Uh, the first Batman day was July 23, 2014. This was the 75th anniversary of the first appearance of Batman in 1939. The day was chosen to coincide with San Diego Comic Con. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, it's Batman Day, everybody. It just <laughs> happens to be the day that we're all at Comic Con. Who could have foreseen?、Um, amazing. Alright, well, happy、What? Batman Day. Happy Batman Day. We're talking about the Batman of anime films. Are we? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what that means. That, what does that mean? Yeah, un- <laughs> unpack that for us. Try to make it work.、Um, uh, uh, everyone's parents are dead or dead to them, which is the same thing. I'm basically an orphan because I kind of didn't like my parents. Hanukkah's. <laughs> <laughs> I ran, aw- I ran away to become a Tokyo salaryman. That's like joining the circus. God.、Uh, so, we're hey, here to that watch. That movie sounds、uh, disgusting, whatever you guys are describing. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> we're here to watch the movie, or at least talk about the movie, Weathering with You, the 2019、uh, Makoto Shinkai film、uh, that was. I had a mixed reception because 
he made your name and it was massively popular for some unknown reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, say what you will about your name. I'm not a fan of it, um, but it is a very normal movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is a movie, and you watch. And this is kind of my problem with it is that like I'm trying to like I'm grasping it for like are you going to do anything with some of these ideas? And it just it just just a very standard love story plot doesn't actually use its premises anyway. It happens, it ends, everyone likes it. You know, applause go home. Uh, one thing with you is fucking on one in every single scene and is completely bonkers. Um, yeah, so that's why we chose to cover this one. <laughs> I mean, is that why we chose to cover this one? It is, kind of, yeah. I mean, it so is. I, I, can, it's, I can give exactly you the backstory. Amazing. I can yes, give you the yes, backstory yes. to that. Because like, I, I think that like Jackson had seen your name. I kind of only yep. knew it by reputation. That like, you know, it's it's beloved by a lot of people. But that, you know, among its its critics, it has like a reputation as being like a very smooth movie, right? Like, not really a lot of friction going on there. Not a lot of like idiosyncratic details just very sort of like you know like jackson said generic uplifting love story um and then i was telling them about how like your uh weathering with you is kind of like the same movie as that um you know and 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 that was kind of like a lot of the reception that like "Mm, yeah you kind of just made the same movie this isn't really like a fitting follow-up because you're not really like treading too much new ground um, but then I asked them to guess, like, how the final, like, climax resolved. And they made a, a reasonable guess, I'd say. And I pointed out that, like, close, it's that, but, like, way more pathological. And Jackson was immediately like, holy shit, we have to watch this movie now. Um, and what's really funny as well is that, like, when you actually watched it, Jackson, I remember you say that, like, Hannah, you really buried the lead on this, like... <laughs> This, so, you only yeah. scratched the surface of how much this movie is on one at all times. Okay, okay, okay. Before we get into Let, this, let's summarize it the, All right, so yeah. this movie is written and directed by Makoto Shinkai. Uh, came out in 2019. Um, this is the story of a, a boy named Hodaka uh, who runs away to Tokyo uh, because uh, he's a high school. He's a first year high schooler, and he just is ready to get away from his uh, troubled life in the sticks nebulous uh whenever it walks up to uh did your parents like hit you or something they run immediately in the other direction and not talk about it ever so uh, who knows what the problem is um and uh he uh gets to tokyo and finds out without like actual id he can't just get a job anywhere and also the city is undergoing constant rainstorms um which will be the plot but you don't know that yet and he meets uh he meets uh this girl who takes pity on him at a mcdonald's she gives him a burger um her name's hina and uh they that's their meet cute and uh that's how that goes uh and then he he finds he falls in with a ne'er-do-well guy named uh keisuke who runs who does like tabloid reporting um Mm -hmm. and his niece uh what is her niece his niece's name natsumi Uh, Natsumi, who he immediately thinks is his this guy's mistress and so he spends the whole time thinking he's he's in a sex comedy when he's actually in like a two con men like family business um and uh he gets roped in as to writing articles and following natsumi as she goes and investigates like meteorological conspiracy theories and whatnot um 
in this he he meets Hina again run like rescues her from, from some nebulous criminals it's it's all very messy and not, not particularly relevant uh but it turns out she has the ability to she is a sunshine girl which is the thing that he's been investigating with natsumi which is she can like pray and make it sunshine and because there's increasingly just a constant rainfall in tokyo they start a big business selling her services uh to do that turns out that in doing that she is causing herself to turn into water because she is like a maiden that's meant to be the thing that stops like a human sacrifice that will stop the like cycle of the flood that would destroy the world um and by not having done that uh it, it's causing the you know the world to flood um there's a bit where she's like oh would you want the rain dead and he's like well yeah of course it sucks and so she's like oh, i must go and he wakes up one morning and she vanishes um there's a big long chase with some police as they realize that there's a bunch of kids running around without parents and they try to put them in like protective services or whatever the japanese equivalent of that is um but he's decided he has to go and find her and he knows how to get there because of a story she told him about how she went through a tory gate and went to the realm of water or whatever um and he uh, you know runs from the police has this big kind of action sequence as he gets there uh goes up into the shrine's gate to the the sky and pulls her away and she's like well what about the world and he's like fuck the world we're in love and uh pulls her out and uh then he he goes he goes to jail he goes to he, gets, he basically gets like house arrested and sent back to the sticks after all of this because he did uh, like run from the cops and pull a gun on multiple people um and uh now that he's an adult he like is back in tokyo and uh he's here to start college he's meeting with everyone and the suga the guy who runs the the place the tabloid now has a real business um and he's just like a boss of a bunch of like typists and reporters or whatever and he's like i'll oh, get out of here go find the girl and he's like oh what would i would she even remember me uh would i even recognize her and then he sees her and that that's the end of course tokyo's flooded during this entire epilogue because they, they fucked the world yeah. Yes, they make climate change happen to everyone. It's yeah. not his fault. It's you not can't fault. say it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, because um, I, I, I think to me the they made climate change happen part was the the part that really like stuck with me and it was the part that like I related to Jackson. Um, yes, in my initial telling of this, that like you kind of expect this to be a situation where they like you know decide that their love is more important than saving people from the storm but like you know they managed to weather it anyway things are basically fine uh what you don't expect is for it to be this like very kind of like cheerful um embracing of the idea of like tokyo just sinking into the sea and like after that happens there's still like 15 minutes of the movie left and maybe like you know the last couple minutes are him reuniting with Hina and you know them being like ah we love each other we'll always be together um but then the all the parts before that are just filled with multiple characters being like hey don't worry about it it's not that bad that climate change destroyed Tokyo like there's this like old grandma who says um who I think is like the grandma from uh your name uh, the, the the characters from that are in this movie also. Yes. Um, yeah. But she's basically like, oh yeah, it turns out this place was under the sea 200 years ago anyway. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's just a cycle. It's, it's just something that happens. And like, there's, oh, go ahead. yeah, go for it. 
Uh, there's a whole scene or in their like tabloid investigations, they run across this giant mural and uh, this explanation that actually climate, you know, they say this is the wettest summer on record. But how long have we been keeping records? Like, you know, 80 years tops. Who can say maybe climate change is the thing that happens in human lifetimes over and over again? Uh, just this like nonsense denialism, like wrapped in mysticism. It's ridiculous. I was going out of my mind. Yes. Yeah. It's what because like the plot point of uh, this love is so strong. Uh, I choose this like person over the world is not an uncommon plot point. It's not the fact that they do this that is like ridiculous, right? Like there are plenty things, movies and stuff that I've seen that I love that have that plot point. Uh, it is mm-hmm. totally like normal metaphor to put in a story, which is why I predicted it. What you could, what I couldn't have predicted is how like it's 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 so accurate about the actual consequences of making that choice is not a metaphor here it's not like uh some kind of oh the world had been kept together by this like oppressive cycle of sacrifices even though it's like technically is that but it's not like there's like a structure it's not final fantasy 10 they're not leading these girls to the slaughter every 10 years right like Mm -hmm. this is a a story i've seen before and they're not doing that it's just it just happens in this one and it's so precise about all of the effects of it that it's like you know in especially in the last years it's basically all the like fucking posts about oh we just have to learn to live with the virus we just have to learn to live with everyone dying underwater like what the fuck it just comes off a state sanctioned (laughs) propaganda no one could no one could have climate change just happens man yeah well there's a there's a bit right at the end where he goes to meet suga in his his little office his shitty little yakuza office like it's one of those guys you go to beat up everyone inside in the yakuza game (laughs) um, he uh, he's like you think you think you think your girlfriend's the one who caused it to rain it's it's just the climate like you you can't you can't and the the gall to imagine that two 16 year olds are the reason the climate's falling apart that's Personal response, responsibility is fake, uh, man. But in a way, we're like, what are you going to do about it? Like, you can't fix it. It just happened. You just got to roll with it. And him, him walking to, like, try to find her being like, he's right. It's not my fault. It's not our fault. I didn't do anything. This is just the world we live well, in. Then he sees her and then he changes his mind, right? Yes. The yeah. thing is he's like, no, no, we did change this. And that's why it's good. And, like, so there's an essay that he wrote about this movie. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Before Who, we get into he? that. Shinkai. Okay. Uh, we'll come back around Uh, before we get into that um, I laughed so hard when that moment happened because like this is I think like like most Makoto Shinkai movies um, I haven't seen his older stuff in a while um, but like this definitely happens a lot in your name kind of like doing montage of itself like um, like flashbacks of stuff that happened you know throughout the movie or flashbacks to stuff that happened like 20 minutes ago tops um, and I, I love the idea that like, this is a moment where like, you know, he's saying, we did this, we caused climate change. And like, it would be this, this moment for like flashing back to a montage of their love, but instead it's just like a montage of the two of them littering and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they don't actually have any like memories or like reasons no, to like each other. They, which, they do which... actually do a flashback to like, you know, um, as Hodaka is running towards like the Tori gate at the top of the tower to try to like you know meet up with her again and rescue her from like the sky realm um he's like doing that literal flashback to like all the times that they shared together and you just realize like how little there is there how much it's just like her saying like hi my name is Hina or like I work for McDonald's or this is my little brother and it's just like that's not the basis of a relationship dude 
uh, I mean, this is the thing in your name as well. And in your name, I was like, why do these two like each other? I have no, there's no reason for these two to like each other. Yeah. Uh, other than like the vague sense that they're protagonists and thus we like go with the movie. But the, I, I don't understand the characters enough to know why this romance happens. And mm-hmm. that was my critique there. Uh, here it doesn't quite, I mean, it has the same problem, but in a slightly different situation. Um, because unlike your name um, and the the guy in that, uh, Horika in this is um, one of the most disgusting little freaks in anime. <laughs> yes. Okay, before you say this, I do want to say, I think the... the, the, the like doing some like connecting dots and heavy lifting here the the thing that hodaka likes about hina is the ways in which she represents like like almost like a traditional rural like mother figure like he he comes and she's she's like a provider for her young siblings she's like lied about her age to make it seem like she's an adult they live alone and she she has this like mysticism in a way that like she's basically like a prairie mom right like like that her husband's off rustling cattle and maybe he'll never come back and she's raising these kids in like a one room like you know barn and that's like she's living the tokyo version of that like he moves away from the sticks only to find the most traditional woman possible the movie um is like apart from a couple jokes about the like uh older you know natsumi when he's like oh I, i'm looking at she's, he's looking at his her boobs and he thinks it's, it's going to be like an affair situation blah, blah, blah. uh is like utterly sexless but then uh it has like a fetishistic montage of hina making food for him which tells you where the like des- like lens of desire is in this movie right yeah uh but the, yeah i the, mean the, the connection between these two is wild because the way it expressed itself through like uh Hodaka's like fantasy and because it's not real it's a movie it like comes across in just su- such what I felt like I was losing my mind throughout the first half of this movie because <laughs> I knew about the like climate change thing but I didn't know about the way the relationship worked um like it starts out and he's like alone in Tokyo and he's like sad and then he goes to McDonald's and eats at McDonald's because it's cheap and then after three days of buying the same thing at McDonald's every day it's like sad teen like this girl comes up in McDonald's and like smiles at him and is like I bought you a Big Mac because you've been buying a Big Mac hee <laughs> hee and then walks away and like does anime face and i'm like hang on what the <laughs> fuck just happened this is the most like i we talk people talk a lot about you know modern anime being wish fulfillment and, and like all this like isekai stuff as all these girls for love you not a single one of those scenes is on the level of i was sad in mcdonald's and the hot girl there bought food for me she works there but she noticed me being wife, sad. wife material is giving burgers to vagrants <laughs> Yeah. And it's like the thing in his life that real kindness does exist. This is it. Is this the hot girl in the McDonald's bought me a Big Mac? And I was like, holy shit. But it, it gets even more wild than that because then he like finds her later. Um and she's being like taken into the private club by like shitty Yakuza guys, right? Um and it is uh, unclear what is actually happening whether she's just being like taken through this like you know shitty dancing job uh but he is reading it as like the worst case scenario they are literally sex trafficking this girl right this second uh and runs in grabs her and like saves her she's mad about this right but like eventually comes to grab her and save her uh he grabs her and saves her with his hand then fails uh and then pulls out a gun He just found a gun in, like, a, uh, I think just in, like, a trash can? Yes, yeah. just in a trash can. Yeah. Um, but this seems so important to me because, like, this is the, like, thing that 
he wants to save her from this like injustice against her purity and it's a very standard fantasy which is like a normal problematic thing in stories but the thing that makes it truly wild in this is that what actually happens later in the movie is fundamentally he starts selling you know not in a sex work but he starts profiting from selling her body to you know run the sunshine girl thing he is essentially pimping her in that, that stuff which i don't i say that like knowing that's loaded but like they they don't understand that they've made a metaphor here where this man is profiting this is like boy is profiting off this girl's like unique uh like you know abilities and also her like emotional you know yeah uh, there is a metaphor where that works and um yeah, it still begins the movie with I must save her from sex work, even though then when I'm profiting from this thing, but in like a lightly metaphoric way, it's good, right? Well, there's, and there's that a, stuff was so wild. There's, there's a bit where when he attacks the like crook guy, because they're, they're, they don't seem like real Yakuza, not in the no. way that he, but like, he's like, you, you think we're kidnapping this lady? She agreed to do this. She needs money. We, we set her up and we're going to take care of her. That's the whole thing here. Like, we don't want people working for us who don't want to work for us. Uh, and uh, he's like, no, of course, like, this is wrong. I have to stop. And so he stops. Her. She even was like, why did you do that? He's like, because it was the right thing to do or whatever. And she's like, oh, traditional boy. I love him. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then when when they do this, there's like the bit where like towards she's like, I'm, I'm glad I'm able to do this with you. I love doing this job for people. Um, and there's no, I like. The groundwork's there where you'd think they would draw the connection and, like, talk about right. it or anything. And that's the thing that's weird. Not that it isn't aware, but that it does all the work other than talk about it to, like, lay that down. Yeah. Especially as, like, he he is being underpaid at this publishing company. He's basically mm-hmm. being, like, working for free because he gets to live there. Uh, which, like, Natsumi's cross with. But then Casey's like, hey, he's fine. He's got a new job. But his new job is just, you know, you know running the website for uh, Hina. Uh, the movie portrays their like endeavor as a sunshine girl as like a joint thing that they're doing, even though it's her special abilities and he's just like taking the money. And even there's this scene where they're like, "No, we want fifty bucks. We want fifty bucks for this one, uh, not thirty, because we want to really want to. You know, we've got to make some money here." Um, yeah. And it and it's just presented as ah, he's got a better job than you know. We don't need to pay him more because he's got this new job, and I'm like, it's not a job. He's like oh, he owns this. You know, they just did this. It's not. It's not like he's working he's, somewhere he's else. He's a small business tyrant. He's just a small business tyrant. He's found a special girl, and he's going to uh, sell her special abilities to people. And it's just cute. The the thing, but like between him setting up a website for her to like be a do like magical services for people basically and suga's whole like i've hired a kid under the table to be like my copy editor and like like assistant like writer um and the way in which this all folds in when the police barge in monty python the holy grail style to like interrupt everyone and be like excuse me you're all children you all have to go to jail now um, <laughs> yeah. like the middle of this movie is about how the the rules of society prevent like plucky young people from just going out on their own and like figuring it out through good old-fashioned disruption of the market entrepreneurship in a way that is fucking wild wait yeah. so so, I- so okay i that to me leads into a scene that I think especially the first time I saw this because I didn't know where it was going. Mm-hmm. I, I thought for like a couple minutes, like, holy shit, did this movie get really good all of a sudden? Um, and it turns out the answer is no. But I think that it could have. Um, and it's like when they have to go on the run, basically, because, uh, you know, the cops show up with like Child Protective Services or, you know, whatever the Japanese equivalent is. Um, and they say, like, hey, you know, you, you guys are so illegal right now. 
Um, so they just run away um, and plan to like, you know, restart some kind of business or, or do some kind of work somewhere else. And it's it's kind of like deliberately vague in a way that like is understandable for, for children. And it's like, oh, we'll have each other and that'll be enough and we'll figure out some way to make it work. Um, and as this is happening, like it's been raining this whole time, right? Uh, except for when she, you know, does her little sunshine girl rituals, which are like very small and localized and temporary. But at this moment, it turns from that into like a torrential downpour and then like a snowstorm in the middle of August. And it's clear that the weather has gotten like incredibly wild. It's not just that it's a rainy season. It's that this is something that's like fundamentally inexplicable without the supernatural. And they're trying to get like a place to stay in the midst of that. And there's a little montage of them being told like, no, sorry, we're all booked, or, like, no, sorry, we don't take cash payments, or, like, do you have ID, or you guys are obviously runaways, aren't you? And there's this idea that, like, they have a good deal of money saved from, like, this small business venture, but it just doesn't mean anything, because, like, what money actually is is, like, a symbol of, like, your, you know, relation of interpersonal power within a capitalist state, and there's, like, still ways for that to be denied to you, even if you have um, you know, uh, the literal physical, uh, paper bills, if you're somebody who is, like, in a marginalized position where, like, you're not really allowed to, like, break into that. And I thought that this was going to be, like, a very sort of, like, sad and touching version of that, that, like, you know, they had this dream, they had this idea that, like, you know, they could really make it and, 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 and be fine and be happy, but it's like, no, the world is actually, like, way crueler about this stuff than they expected. Um, and then they just find a hotel that accepts them. And it turns out to even be like a pretty ritzy hotel. Like it has a jacuzzi, has a karaoke machine, has like, you know, a pretty well-stocked mini fridge. And uh, when there is no more room at the inn, uh, Mary and Joseph get the, the penthouse suite. Yes, <laughs> it's so yeah. fucking weird. And it, it's like it. There's even a moment in that sequence where Hodaka is like shown praying and he's being like, dear God, like this is enough. Like, you know, we don't want (laughs) anything more. Like, so please don't give us anything more and please don't take away anything from what we have. And it's that feels like it's a moment from a different version of the scene where they just like, you know, went to a very seedy or dingy motel and got overcharged for it. But they're still happy because like they have each other. Um, yeah, but to have this moment of like, dear God, all I need is one luxury hotel. That's all. It's if so I just need weird. one fully stocked Millie's fridge. Uh, my hot girlfriend, who is older than me and also younger than me, at <laughs> yeah. points of the movie where the fantasy requires both of those two things to be true. Yeah, um, it, it switches over <laughs> literally on a dime. Like the moment that he is goes from seeing her primarily as I a want, mommy figure. Yeah, yes. To, to be to like, like, I have to, to rescue her. The cop tells him, like, by the way, did you know she's 15? And he's just like, what? It's, that means I'm older. Now I'm the protective one. It, it really is funny how, like, the second the fantasy of, like, what the relationship is to this guy changes, her identity has changed before his eyes to suit that. Like, transparently by the movie. It's really wild. The, the thing uh, before this, the thing you were speaking to, Hannah, the idea that the world is cruel, like, the bit where they're like, we're just going to have to, we're just going to have to run away. Like, child services are going to come and separate us. We need to just make do on our own like walks up to a modern version of like grave of the fireflies which is like 
the society has let these kids slip through the cracks and they're yeah. just going to do it on their own. And the, the kids, of course, in their wisdom think, oh, we're plucky protagonists. We're going to get through. Like at the beginning when uh, Hodaka is just like finding, trying to find a place to sleep, he's like in the train stations. Like orphans in train stations in Japan is a loaded image that comes out of the world war. Um, and like it, it, it plays with all this stuff and then just, yeah, they get, they get to the room it's with fun. like the, the, the karaoke machine and a bowl full of red M&Ms basically. And he's like, dear God, thank you for this. Don't take away my one thing. The love of the girl who's in the California king size bed with me yeah. <laughs> showing me her water titty. I mean, that's, I couldn't stop thinking about, um, <laughs> God, God damn it. Um, couldn't stop thinking about, um. Grave of the Firefighters as well, because it's like the argument that this movie presents, which is not trying to present, because obviously, like, it's doing all these for aesthetic reasons, but the second it, like, comes off against ideas of money or material uh, conflict, it just doesn't exist. It just fundamentally doesn't exist in this movie. Uh, like, <laughs> there's that scene where uh, Keisuke just suddenly gives Horika just a, a million yen or something ridiculous, like, ah, oh, you know, we've we've here you go here's the money that you'll need for later even though yeah. i wasn't paying it earlier because that was the point of the movie he, where he gives uh, him like a thousand dollars effectively right he just gives him so much money um when he hadn't been having any before and it just exists to make sure that he has some for later really uh as like the aesthetic desire of the movie is for him to be poor early on because it, that's what it's about but it's not about the like actual material challenges he just like happens to run into case k uh he just happens to like you know all this stuff happens by coincidence and ends up making the argument through the like middle of the movie as if they if the cops weren't there then the kids could just disrupt their way through a grave of the fireflies and make it out okay <laughs> which is if the argument to make like grave of the fireflies is a movie about how both the state explicitly and the state implicitly as like values of families and the people they run into is deliberately letting these children die that is what mm. the movie is about uh, and this is a movie about how the state implicitly and explicitly is refusing to let these children thrive. Like, without the police officers, they would have been in a better situation. Is the And, like, it's not a movie about how police... Well, it framed itself as a movie about how police, like, get on children's... Like, you know, they're, they're, they're too overbearing. But it's not. They're, like, they're, they're not even, like... They're not real cops, right? They are movie cops who want to just... Uh, make sure they find this random runaway child with a gun so he doesn't kill anyone or himself. Uh, they're very nice people. They, they are completely just nice people trying to save this child. Yeah, there's uh, there's like a sweet old man and then like a stern younger cop who's like, you know, kind of gruff and doesn't understand, but also seems like he's, you know, ultimately noble. Yeah. And they, they, they could have made a time where like, oh, the police are like really cruel to these children and like... It's not about how the state abuses them. It is about how the state needs to go away because their attempts to help are stopping their like individual plucky journey. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, we we mentioned this briefly that like every time they kind of like uh, get close to describing what could have been the issue with um, you know uh, Horaka's like hometown and the sticks that he ran away from. They, they, they kind of just, like, veer away from it. Um, and so, like, it'll be, like, Hina asks him, like, you know, uh, so what, what what was wrong with that place? And he'll just, like, give a very vague answer about, like, I felt like I was suffocating there. Do we think that that is them trying to kind of, like, 
make it this thing that he has difficulty talking about and that he represses and that he can't open up about? Or is it just that, like, his hometown was mildly inconveniencing and he wanted to be in the big city because that's a generic thing for anime teens to want? Uh, it really comes across as the latter. It comes across as, like, as it tries to say things about that he never opens up about it and just ends up saying that, like, oh, I didn't want to be there anymore. I wanted to run away. Uh, I wanted to be where things happened in the city and not in my awful place at home. We never see his parents. We never get information about his parents other than that they're looking for him, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, a good sign if your child runs away, I would say. Yeah. Um, we don't get any, like, plot info. We would have to make a big leap uh, of inference to decide that oh no he's actually running away from an abused situation and was treated really badly but yeah. none of his lines suggest that none of his behavior truly suggests that um, yeah the, the one like, time that we see him back at that place is like he's graduating from high school um, because like he's been given like three years probation basically the entire time that he's in high school um, and then after that he's like free to go to Tokyo and it just seems like a perfectly generic anime high school there's like some perfectly generic shots of like you know rural anime japan um it looks almost exactly like the girl's town in your name um and he's got like a couple of uh like kohais that just you know ask him questions about like oh you know is it true that you're wanted by the police in tokyo so like nothing about that place really indicates that it's like oh my god this is a place that you really want to get away from um, and it's just so fucking weird that like that that's his motivation throughout like the the whole first part of the movie before you know he like meets up with Hina and becomes obsessed with her that like anything except go to this like generic anime high school. And it, it makes the imagery really like the loaded imagery at the start like completely full of shit, right? Like you can't have yeah. imagery pulling from these ideas of like orphan children uh, with this kid who ran away because he just wanted to be in the nice city, and then he goes and then he goes back home and he's fine, and then this they let him go back to Tokyo, right? They just like oh yeah, just go, you've you know graduated, off you go. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no friction with him at home. Like <laughs> he could have just waited a couple of years and then moved to Tokyo to go to college rather than moving at the st- like running away at the start of the movie. Uh, it is all played through generic ideas of like you know i want to be where the things are happening i'm suffocating here in 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 this uh middle class rural area which everyone in like america who's been in the suburbs understands but hopefully has enough self-awareness to know that you're still middle class usually the people saying that Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh and thus you're in a different position it's not actually torture living in the suburbs in the way that like you think it is right when you're 13 um yeah it's it's it just feels very gross to have like the you know like you said that that like runaway orphan child imagery from a character that could fundamentally just like go to a phone call his parents and end it at any moment by being like hey i'd like to come she home. says that to him there's a bit where she's like ah well we need to like you know the police are gonna come and break my family up but you can just go back home and he's like how dare you say that to me <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. He, he, literally common people happens to him in this movie. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so, like, you know, you mentioned that, that there's no, like, friction to it. And I think that, like, a big difference between this movie and Your Name is that, like, Your Name is just a movie where, like, friction doesn't really happen. Um, mm-hmm. That, you know, like, all the... Um, 
like the larger scale like problems are like so abstracted and so yes. like based on like the fantasy conceit that it really when, is just like uh, uh, sorry you were gonna say oh when i because i told jackson to watch your name because i saw it and i was i was surprised by because i had heard all the stuff about like the body swap stuff and all of the like you know, it, you know it's, it's dealing with gender and i watched it like a little skeptical of that and what i was surprised and mostly like kind of uh delighted by was how much it was like a schmaltzy romance episode of Star Trek where it's like, mm. ah, accidentally fell in love with a ghost of a dead woman. <laughs> yeah. How do we yeah. navigate that through like science? And because it's like an anime, it's through like a magical like shrine we visit at the same time and it connects our hearts or whatever and not, uh, we, we fire a neutron beam at the planet or whatever, but it's but basically the same the thing. Same thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, that's how I watched it as well. I mean, you tell me to watch it after that. Um, but I also was like, I, heard people talk about it and like the the gender stuff in this movie is so powerful and the stuff in the like the, the moment where the, like, the pen drops which i knew about is, like the classic anime moment i was like oh okay i will see what that is and all of that was like nothing just like a big nothing like, they did nothing with the gender idea it was far more concerned with the like rural city idea than the gender one if anything yeah. and even then it was just like the setup for a romance it like avoided it actually leaning into any of the complicated feelings people have about their bodies like you know and then uh it devolved into a um four quarter i don't know why but both these movies and every slice of life show does as well but far less so because the budget is less uh just you know you hit the two-thirds mark and suddenly world-ending disaster is happening and we have to deal with that in a previously chill slice of life movie yeah um, just, I guess it's just the format for high budget uh, anime movies. So, so like, here's the thing with your name, is that you know we've been talking about it being frictionless, that it being generic, mm-hmm. it not exploring like its its ideas of gender in any real way. And I think that like what that adds up to is that like it has a conception of love as something that primarily is about like filling an absence. That like love yes. is something that like makes you happy to be a salaryman right to, that, that <laughs> yes. like it's it's all the like romantic feelings in that movie are expressed through the language of like longing and yearning and absence and like if i could only be next to this girl with like very little thought to like what i would do if i was next to this girl you know um mm. but it's it's all just about like helping you slot neatly into a place in society and i think that like weathering with you as a way more like kind of actively wiling movie um, is one that like kind of posits love as this. It's also fundamentally as something that'll like kind of help you bear with something. But instead of it being like love is what helps it make it okay that, you know, you um, have to be a a salary man with a boring job and you don't get to be like a, a special hero. This one has the premise of like, Love is what makes it okay that, like, climate change is happening and, uh, you know, a previous generation of people and a class of capitalists and all of those, like, you know, institutional forces caused it. And you should just be fine with that, right? Um, And I think that this, like, this kind of dovetails into this uh, interview or essay that Jackson, I think, was going to to, to mention uh, earlier. And I think now would be a good time to... Bring us back to that. Yeah, so uh, let me get the essay up. Um, 
Shinkai wrote his essay about his like a, idea with this movie, and it essentially says that the ending of this movie is like the reason he wanted to make it. It's to him, this is his version of dropping the asteroid, which is the thing we talk about in GDP. Like the big thematic, bold push past the norm uh, that it might be controversial, but has to happen. Um, and because he says that like in a lot of stories you have situations where the world has gone weird and the story is about fixing the world and he says that this would be cowardice because the young children in the story did not choose this world and therefore it is the selfishness of adults to write a fantasy in which the children fix our problems for us uh which mm-hmm. i do agree with i don't agree with his solution which he says uh well, let me take a look at the actual things. Uh, we didn't stop it, and that means we chose it. But for the young audience, people who were supposed to be making films, this is a world in which they never had a choice. Before they could have a say, the world was already going crazy. That's why I feel it was wrong for us, people making films for a young audience, to force a story on them about reclaiming the balance of the world. That is too egoistic and irresponsible. What then can we say to that audience? At the end of this story, the boy will shout, the weather can stay crazy. Responding to his cry, the girl will actively choose to live in a crazy world. I want to make a film where a boy and girl actively choose that world. Let's depict a couple who will dep- who will head to a place of no return brightly and positively. And if the audience share their choice with surprise and sympathy, we will be able to find meaning in making this unrighteous story into a film of our times. So he has identified the problem of like this fiction often exists to set up uh, prop- like real world problems and then provide a false catharsis. He has seen that in stories, but then this provides the most false catharsis of all. <laughs> Is his it's like his answer is what if the young people just accepted this and I'm like what I don't know what I yeah. you know and then there's the other essay uh, which is just not an essay it's an interview with uh, Yoshi Kitamone which has gone around and we've seen before <laughs> makes way more sense after watching the movie as he describes this film as a revolution that takes place within yourself and that's why people like it and it's for cowards and failures. <laughs> And I don't think we should be saying this to our kids. Uh, and it's obviously like acerbic and shitty in the way that Tomino loves to be in interviews. Uh, but he's right. He is 100% yeah. right. Imagining him watching this movie was what I was doing for half of it, which was very funny. <laughs> yeah. not show Tomino this film. And I, I, I think that like what that really points to, the idea of like the revolution within yourself, an idea of like, you know, abdicating responsibility for change and just saying that like, oh, well, it's not our fault that the world is crazy. So it we're going to be fine with it. Um, like, it's it's very sympathetic and understandable to, like, have these moments where you just think that, like, well, you know, I'm too small to actually make, like, a, an institutional change against capital. And, you know, so I should really just focus on, like, taking care of my loved ones. And I've had those moments. Those are, like, my depressed moments. Those are, like, my moments yes. where I, like the most ready to like disengage from a broader struggle. And those are things that like you can understand, but that you have to like, um, like grow from and that you have to, to, to pull yourself back from that mindset of like, well, everything is fucked. Nothing is ever going to get better again. And the only thing that we can do is just like have small happinesses with our friends and not not to be this person. Yeah. Oh, so, but you know another movie about uh, bringing back your girl from nothing in, so you can live together at the end of the world? Uh, that's the plot of End of Eva. Uh, yeah. At least in that movie, it's like a disgusting thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, But he basically does the same thing that Shinji does to Oscar like, without some of the loaded imagery, but it's, mm-hmm. it's fundamentally the same plot that happens here than in than in that movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice core End of Eva. Yes. Um, <laughs> So I I do want to save this for later. There's another movie that I watched very recently that this also like 
was a trip to watch immediately after. Um, but for now, like, I think that when we're talking about uh, that call to action of just like, be okay with living in the crazy world. It's so wild to think that like, that that's not something that the uh, like institutional forces that brought us into this mess would be really happy with. That like, Oh, cool. They're like walking back from the possibility of like uh, actually challenging the status quo in any meaningful way, in challenging our short term profits in any meaningful way. Great. If we got them to accept it, then we won. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is literally like, you know, my sister coming around and being like, uh, well, we can't, I, you can't just like not see me forever, even though I'm a teacher, right? Like it is literally arguments I've had in my real life because of COVID happening. This stuff has become even more, uh, like obviously it hundred percent work with the climate change metaphor and we're all living in this world. Um, but the directness of people saying we just have to live with mass death has changed slightly, at least in how it has been publicized, even though mass death has been happening constantly uh, our whole lives on behalf of like the imperial and capitalist uh, system. Yeah. Um, and so like listening to that stuff was like this is just this is literally state propaganda on some level he doesn't believe that it is and he's not making it from that intention but it is exactly what the government would want me to think about a world ending crisis to a t yeah god <laughs> um yeah he's on one in this in this movie uh which i Here's the thing, like, as much as, like, the the tone of this has been almost entirely negative, like, I deeply admire this movie, in a sense, for being so pathological and so willing to, like, take these, like, weird swings. And, like, from a death of the author stance, which, like, you know, there's limits to that, obviously. But, like, I think that it can function as a much more interesting movie about, like, the most disgusting little boy in all of uh, Tokyo um, than something like Your Name, which, you know, like we said, is just, like, very smooth. It goes down easy. Um, it doesn't kind of, like, have much of, like, a personality uh, to it. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, was, I was really expecting that when I came into this movie. Because, again, like, I hadn't seen Your Name, but I knew it by reputation. And I knew that, like, all the discourse about this and, like, you know, a lot of why we've been talking about your name specifically uh, so much throughout this episode is that, like, everyone was comparing it to your name and saying, that, like, how how is it as a follow-up to your name? Does it tread new ground? Is it a worthy successor? Is he stretching his creative energy enough? Um, and I was not prepared for this movie to, like, take as many stabs as it did. Um, in the service of something that is, again, fundamentally, like, you know, small-c conservative and, and like, I think more empowering and enshrining of, like, traditional ideas than it thinks it is. Um, but I, I admire something that, like, is going to be that conscious, or not consciously, but it's going to be that ultimately grotesque much more than I admire something that's, like, you know... Uh, it goes down easy in in Tomino's words. Uh, yeah, I mean this this to, to me is like it's, there's a lot of things going on. Um, but one of the things I do appreciate about it is it is a movie uh, that demonstrates the ways that like this kind of uh, conservative masculine fantasy um, 
like asserts itself in like aesthetics that are often posited as alternative to this people yeah. are like this is not a ghibli movie but people are often posting like ghibli core stuff that that aligns with a lot of the aesthetics in this movie right like when people more broadly they have taken that term and used it more broadly to just mean like nice anime pleasantness right mm-hmm. even if it's often not fair to its source that is what it has culturally come to mean and this movie uh exists in that space um but it's like gender politics and the ways in which specifically it's the characters and situations are transparently um, constructed through wish fulfillment for a specific kind of man is is the same in many ways as uh, the genres that are like derided and mocked because of this. Like you know, uh, I was after I finished all this, the you know the sort of online for uh, guys who want a girl that reads uh, was what I was tweeting, and I kind of believe that like like it is uh, important to have a. To show that beyond the aesthetics of it, and uh, I don't think you can do that on purpose. You have to just make make a movie about a little freak like this. Yeah. God. Um. um what's up? Ahead. I was gonna veer off in a different direction, so let's hear it. Uh, so this movie has a soundtrack by, uh, the Radwimps, uh, which oh, means it has oh, about oh. four separate, like soft indie rock <laughs> montages. Uh, the only thing I could think of as it, like the last one was happening is, uh, the movie Little Miss Sunshine. This is anime <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine. That's what this movie is. <laughs> <laughs> it might be meaner than everything me and Hannah said combined. <laughs> yeah. When the final act of the movie had, like already had two montage like things and then began yes. its third needle drop in a row i was losing my mind <laughs> the first one i was like oh i'm here for this this is like pleasant this is like when they're off doing like you know they're running their like sunshine girl business and it's like nice and yeah it's like a good time hanging out I'm like this is great just kept going back to that well i'm like i can't believe we're sitting through this again <laughs> it's it's really important that like the speed of the montages with the insert songs accelerates rapidly throughout the movie and ends (laughs) up at a very distressing pace of like oh wasn't it like two minutes since the last one ended yes the climax of the movie is three month like insert song montage is the wrong work it's something that's just over action but it is three insert song needle drops back to back like back to back to back like barely any gap between them Uh, at which point i just say make a musical please i'd like this movie way more for a musical like nothing changed (laughs) that chase scene or, or like this the larger scene of Horika trying to make it to the Tori Gate so that he can reunite with Hina is so unbelievably long. Cause like, okay, let's let's break it down. He first escapes out of the police station, then he hop- ludicrously yes, very ludicrously <laughs> he plays Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. He then. Hops onto Natsumi's motorcycle because she's there and she wants to help. And she takes him, like, as far as as he as she can go uh, while, like, evading the cops. And then he runs along train tracks for, like, several minutes trying to, like, make it to, like, where the building actually is. Then he makes it to the building. Then he, like, kind of makes it to kind of, like, so, like a sky lobby area. And um, encounters KSK, who tells him, like, hey, you know, I know what you're trying to do, but, like, this is all a big misunderstanding. Come on, let's go back to the police station. Then he tries to fight KSK. He gets, 
you know, like, I think beaten down by him a little bit. He pulls a gun on him. Then the cops show up and pull guns on uh, Hodaka. Then they arrest him. Then Keisuke, uh, like, knocks one of the cops away. Then he's running away. Then the other cop is like, stop there, young man. Then the little brother shows up because he completed the Mass Effect side quest and won his loyalty. Yes. And, and like, knocks the other cop out of the way. And then he runs up the, uh, like, the, the fire escape to make it to the roof of the, the building. And all I, of that takes Mass so moments. fucking long. Yeah, the Mass Effect moment is great. Because <laughs> the rest of the chase has been happening and has been geographically like makes it. This kid has not been established as being part of this situation. No. And they're at the top of the building. Where the fuck did he come from? I don't know. You completely. It is the single biggest Mass Effect like moment in a movie. Uh, the second biggest, behind obviously number one, which I, I don't know if you remember this movie. But you know, an amazing Spider-Man the terrible 2012 Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. where Spider-Man completes the Mass Effect quest. Thus, he has uh, cranes to swing on to make it to the final level. Yes. The most fucking Mass Effect thing that's ever happened in a movie. Hilarious. Uh, anyways, I had to... The, yeah, so they get to the, the, the shrine and it takes forever. It takes so long and there's so many, like, back and forth beats with it, but, like, it just feels like marking time. It not feel... It doesn't feel like he's, like, accruing additional stress or that like this is becoming harder and harder more desperate more desperate it's just that like here's an obstacle and then here's an obstacle and then here's an obstacle and the whole thing is like i don't know exactly how long but i would imagine like at least 15 minutes uh for something that like was the lead up to the climax that isn't even the climax because the climax is like him actually reuniting with hina and, like, making that decision to say, like, no, fuck the world. We're going to live in, in climate change world, but we'll be together, so it'll be okay. Um, so to have that long spent on, like, the lead up to your climax with multiple insert songs. Because I think that the first one starts playing when he's, like, running across the train tracks. And the second one starts playing, like, when he pulls a gun on Keisuke. And it's it's so fucking weird that it's structured this way. Why is this yes. movie 110 minutes? It goes on forever. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Like the insert songs just keep going because there's an insert song as he's running and then all the people are like yelling at him like he's fucking Forrest Gump. Um, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, there's a boy running on the train tracks. Where could he be going? Uh, and then KSK's like immediate switch uh, from... I will stop you. Don't make climate change happen because of your girlfriend. Uh, it's not even like a sad thing. She literally chose to do this. So don't, don't, don't fuck this up for everyone. Um, and then the second he sees the cops, he like changes his mind immediately and is like, go for young love. And then, then they're in the like supernatural place and there's another fucking song. And it's, oh God. Yeah. Wild movie. <sighs> what a movie. Um, the movie that I mentioned earlier that, like, was very surreal to watch this right after. Because, like, we've compared it to other stories that are more directly about, like, you know, um, a well-meaning man's possession of a woman uh, yes. in, in ways that are, like, very consciously disgusting. 
And the movie that I saw right before this was uh, Mermaid in a Manhole, which is a film. Uh, it's it's part of the Guinea Pig series, which are are most famous for like, they're they're like gore movies, and one of okay. them was like so disturbing uh, that like Charlie Sheen reported it to the FBI, thinking that it was like a real snuff film. Um, <laughs> such a dumb guy wait like cannibal holocaust yeah kind of um okay they're just like you know gore exploitation horror movies um but this one like has a reputation as being like quite good and i i watched it i agree with that i i I thought it was a good movie but like you know without going in into any of like the gory details it's about this like um this this widowed man he's like a, a painter and he lives this like very sad and solitary life and he goes down, like, into the sewers regularly to try to find, like, inspiration for things to paint based on, like, you know, random shit that, like, gets dropped down there. And uh, he ends up finding a mermaid down there and seeing that, like, she kind of has, like, you know, some some kind of infection. Like, she's, she's not doing so well. So he's like, oh, no, I have to save you. I'm going to take you to my apartment and, like, plop you in my bathtub and, like, just pour medicine into your tub while I paint you. And, of course, like, you know, because it's one of these gore movies, like, it ends up with her getting, like, you know, just not being helped by this at all. And, like, the fact that he, like, took her out of something that was, like, even remotely close to being, like, a natural habitat and didn't just, like, you know, dump her into a river but, like, put her into a bathtub just, like, leads to more and more, like, uh, uh, spreading of that condition. And eventually she dies from it. And the police show up and determine that, like, oh, this guy killed his wife. And it's it's kind of like, you know, there's a, a thematic link between like what he's doing to the mermaid and what it's implied that he either did directly to his wife or that he wanted to do or his feelings of like absence and wanting to like have his wife again at any cost. And it really is a similar movie in a lot of ways to this as far as we're talking about like that that idea where like I must rescue you from sex work slash the sewer and put you into a situation that's just going to, like, you know, fuck you up and use your body up even more quickly uh, than than that would have. Um, and it's so weird to go from, like, this movie that understands how fucked up that is from the get-go and, and kind of, like, revels in it to this movie that, like, takes that same fundamental plot structure and positions it as something that's, like, really cute and sweet. Yes. What a movie. Yeah, no, I... A lot going on in this film. Yeah. So, thank you very much for making us watch this. Because <laughs> I was like, damn. Damn. Shinkai, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I, I, I will say, like, while I think this is... I think in a lot of ways this is a much worse movie than Your Name. I had a much better time through most of it. I think it's like the back end gets too long and I was not interested oh, yeah. in running from the cops another time. But um, <laughs> there's a lot here to, like, enjoy thinking about. Yeah. 
oh, it's one of the most loaded movies we've seen. And not in, like, you know, that's what I said. Well, we knew about the climate change thing, but then it is, like, the way it's about, uh, you know, th- how the police trying to save missing children is red tape preventing their adventures and <laughs> yes. how, um, like, what it is for a, a love story to happen uh, and the way that works in, in, like, a nice guy situation. Uh, and and it just all it just all these things are all the time. It's always going off on one. Yeah. Um, the, the, like, you know, that, that, that old meme with the, the two buttons and the guy like sweating, uh, looking at them. Yes. I made one of those and showed it to Jackson, uh, with the, the buttons <laughs> labeled, uh, solve climate change. And the girl from McDonald's shows me her boob once. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally, that's, that, those are the, those are the answers here. Yeah. Um, and we were also talking about one thing I want to bring up from our own conversations is uh, we, the ways in which this movie expresses its uh, budget are really interesting because it's very expensive, yes. very beautiful movie. And one of the ways it expresses this, um, which I don't, I don't know how common this is in other movies, but it is certainly common here, is through deeply loving um, and like highly accurate, but to the advert version of whatever the fuck, uh, recreations of brands and branded spaces and online branded spaces. Uh, like the McDonald's is, is is brought up a lot as being like, just, it looks exactly like a McDonald's, but it also looks like the most beautiful McDonald's you've ever been in. There's no grind. There's no like, you know, there's no, uh, uh, you know, there's no uh, homeless people around except the one that the movie's about, right? I like mean, it's, that's, it's, that's, it's, yeah. that's because it's a Tokyo McDonald's. Right, yeah, fun right. fact. But I mean, I, th- that that also is also true. I guess the Madonna's awake later in very, very quick digression. Can you remember seeing any other homeless people or otherwise economically abject people in this no. entire movie? No, that's, that's why I bring that up. Like, yeah. I don't bring that up as like, oh, there's no, there's always homeless people in McDonald's. But I'm obviously not making that point. I'm making sure. the point of like, it is in a class of people that doesn't exist outside of the fantasy of the one middle class protagonist, right? He doesn't find any other. There's a world in which instead of finding some guy with a shitty like anime job that's not real, uh, he finds other people in the situation he is in and thus finds solidarity or there... realizes he's not in that situation and fucking leaves. Just yesterday I was playing a mission in uh, Gravity Rush, our next game club game, that has a protagonist cat who is a plucky anime girl trying to find like a place to stay in the place she's at and everywhere she goes there's another like ho- like a vagrant trying like that already has a spot there's everywhere's claimed because everyone needs a, everyone needs a place to stay and many people fall through the cl- cracks in society yeah. yes um but it, there's also like the google maps there and the phones yes. and he's on yahoo answers all the time and and it like claims it claims legitimacy in its depiction of the world not through uh depiction of spaces that we understand to be real but but through depiction of brands and branded products yeah there's uh, that is its way to authenticity so so there's two things in this movie that receive most of the like production value um and one like you just mentioned is the brands and the other is the water there are so many like incredibly detailed like close-in shots of like you know rain hitting a pavement um and like you know you've seen rain hitting a pavement in anime but like you know those don't have makoto shinkai film budgets so they can't like you know lovingly render every drop in the way that it is here um and i think it's really telling that those are the two you know the the brands and the rain the capitalism and the climate change 
And it feels like a, a movie that was a little smarter, a little braver, would have anything to say about the connection between those two. The, the, the idea that, like, this is a movie about climate change and we are showing you all the brands in loving, painstaking detail. I wonder if those have anything to do with the climate change. Um, it's so wild. Yeah. Um, and I've seen, like, defenses of this movie uh, been like, it is <laughs> Western chauvinism to assume this movie is about climate change when clearly it's about a more like uh you know more buddhist influenced desire for peace with the way the world moves and i'm like i yes i know i watched the movie it is deploying that in such a fashion to do to like say you shouldn't do anything about the capitalists that are ruining the world that is true in japan as it is here that is a worldwide concern (laughs) yeah god all right uh i think that's just about all i had to say about the movie um yeah glad you guys had such a fun time unpacking this thing (laughs) i really did really did what a wild ridiculous movie i hope uh at least in his next one he gets a different band to make the same song five times (laughs) i did not realize it was the same band every time i thought that that was just like it's like oh yeah between this and, and your name like i guess that there's like a uh you know a genre of like modern japanese pop rock bands that are like just perfect for these like very like frictionless insert songs but i mean there is yeah yeah but he he just chose the say he had the same band like right they're written for the movie as well um which i I believe that there's a time and place for that but i think you can also like stand to pull a song from outside if you're doing a needle drop Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyway Thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. I've had a great time. Of course. Yeah. Um, next time, we are going to be covering the back end of Gurren Lagann, uh, which uh, we're working on now. So that'll be about two weeks. So please look forward to that. I think we're going to be covering the movies because, you're, Jackson, you're going to watch them. And unless you say there's nothing worth doing with that, um, I'll probably end up watching them too. So Yes. I, I finished the show a month ago. So my because I knew I wanted to watch the movies, I was like, if I do it this order i won't do it back to back uh so i'll watch the movies and i'll let you know if it's worth you also watching yep. the movies um yep. my sus- suspicion uh, is there my suspect suspect my, <laughs> my suspicion uh i suspect you might only need to watch the second movie is how i'm how i think this is gonna go yeah uh anyway plugs uh hannah yeah you can find me at twitter uh at hannah yolo h-a-n-n-a-h-y-o-l-e-a-u um and you can find my podcast on the abnormal mapping podcast network it's called do not steal an original character podcast and it's a podcast about uh tabletop criticism and more importantly rocs i host that with olivia joseph listen to it it's really good we love it's doing really it. good thank you um, Jackson you can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com you can find the podcast me and emdu at abnormalmapping.com please listen to them they're very good uh, you can find me on twitter at em underscore being and of course you can support our shows at uh, patreon.com slash abnormalmapping where for one dollar a month uh, you will get the great gundam project we're currently you know two thirds th- no more than that uh, <laughs> we're a good ways into uh, turn a gundam and we're watching planetes and it's great we're having a great time so uh, check that out Uh, That's it. 
yeah that is a podcast thank you very much hannah for being on mm-hmm. thank you everyone for listening uh we'll see you next time thank uh, you for having me bye-bye bye bye Kimi no daijoubu